Open, open your Bible now with me in Isaiah 52. I want to just uh, finish what I was sharing uh, just a week or so ago. And uh, we look in Isaiah 52. I, I spoke, a, a, started to share a message, the first part of it. It was called The Slumber of Jezebel, interesting title. And I'll explain it in just a moment. But uh, I want us to read in this verse here in Isaiah 52, the first couple of verses. And the prophet is speaking to the church, speaking to Israel of his day. He says, wake up, wake up. Isn't that amazing? Wake up! Now, it's an interesting thing to speak to me, wake up. If you tell them to wake up, they must have been asleep. People are asleep. You're not aware what goes on when you're asleep. In fact, when you're asleep, that's when thieves come into your house if you left the door open. When you're asleep, you're unaware of what's going on around you. When you're asleep, things can be happening. They can be affecting you, but you don't know because you are asleep. And so there's a natural sleep, you fall asleep naturally, then you're unaware what's going on around you. But you can also fall into a spiritual slumber. And clearly here, God is speaking to the church, wake up, wake up. He's speaking and stirring the church to wake up. God's speaking to the church in New Zealand, wake up, wake up. Look what's happening. Look what's going on in the nation. Look what's happening in families. Look what's happening to the next generation. Wake up church. I've called you to do something. I've called you to make a difference. So he says, wake up, wake up. Put on your strength. The strength that a believer has is the anointing power and life of the Spirit of God. Put on the Holy Ghost. Get fresh anointing around your life. Wake up out of the slumber and get back into a life flow of God. Then he says, put on your beautiful garments. Garments of praise, garments of righteousness. Jerusalem, you're a holy city, a holy people. That's who you are. And then he says, he said, the uncircumcised and unclean shall no longer come to you. In other words, let purity come around your life. Begin to be focused. You're called to do something. Then he challenges them, shake yourself out of the dust. Many times we want someone to pray for us. But God says, shake yourself. Shake yourself out of living at such a low level and begin to live a life of purpose, passion, and commitment to Jesus Christ. Then he says, Sit down, O Jerusalem, or literally take your positioning that God has given to you, a positioning where you can exercise spiritual authority and then loose the restrictions that you've lived with. Isn't that an amazing thing? We read that, but that's as relevant for today as it was two, 3,000 years ago when it was first written. God's speaking to us to wake up out of unawareness, to wake up, begin to shake ourselves begin to rise up in a new strength of God. And this is a great new season. I love the season we're in. It's a challenging season where God is wanting us to strengthen the personal foundations of our life, a time to awaken inside to what is happening around us. So interesting thing, clearly the church there was awake. There's another part of the Bible that says, wake up the mighty men. They're mighty men, but they're asleep, unaware. And so spiritual slumber can come on people. How would you know if you're in a spiritual slumber? How would you know that? Well, there'd probably be a number of signs. Your disconnection from God, lack of life of the Spirit, increasing problems you can't get dominion over or deal with, a lack of revelation, compromise. There'd be a whole number of ways that you could recognize spiritual sleep in your life. Usually, though, you're unaware of it. Someone has to wake you up. Have you ever had someone come and wake you up? 
Ever had the, the alarm go off in the early, early hour? Someone rang you at a very early other morning, you hang on the phone. You can hardly even talk straight. Waking up. But there's such a thing as a spiritual slumber. When spiritual influences push down on your life, and you actually stop becoming or being what God called you to be, and you accept something much less than what God has, and you actually think it's normal. Church in the West, on the most, is in a state of spiritual slumber, unaware of the powers at work in the nation to destroy the legacy that's been built over years. God is speaking to us to wake up out of that spiritual slumber. I talked uh, a, a couple of weeks ago about the slumber of Jezebel. Jezebel was a woman in the Old Testament, also a woman in the New Testament. But I want to get your eyes off woman. I want you to get your eyes on spiritual power entering and oppressing a nation. In the Old Testament, Jezebel was a queen who worshipped the gods of Baal and Ashtaroth. And she came into an alliance with Ahab, who was a king. You and I are called to be kings, but we have to be careful what alliances we form in our life and what spiritual influences we allow to come over our life. This man married this woman, and through her, spiritual influences came around his life. The worship of Baal, the worship of Ashtaroth. They were gods of sex and fertility. They were the gods of war. They, were, they introduced new value systems into the nation. They abandoned the ways that God wanted the nation to be built. And the whole nation came under that spirit, came under that influence. Sexual sin, promiscuity, prostitution, pornography, all those kind of things abounded under the spiritual influences in the nation. And they thought it was quite normal. They didn't realize they were spiritually and financially and in every way poverty and oppressed. God's Word was to wake up out of that sleep. And so over the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago, I began to speak about a spiritual atmosphere that puts people to sleep. And when people are spiritually put to sleep, they become very passive. Everywhere I go in New Zealand, I find it. I find an incredible passivity sits over people. The Bible says that to take hold of the promises of God by the violent press in and take hold by persistent, energetic, fervent, passionate prayer. That's how you get hold of the things of God. But when there's passivity, we're under spiritual influence and there's very little passion, very little fervency. And the interesting thing is, you can see it at a football match, but then when people come into a spiritual environment, suddenly they're shut down, there's something that sits over them. It's something that you and I have to fight to push off. To push it off, Allah. I don't want to be shut down. I don't want to be passive. I don't want to be asleep and unaware. I want to be awake and hearing God and moving in what He's doing. And last, uh, last, when we shared the last time, I shared with you three situations of people who fell asleep and what it was in their life that opened the door for that spiritual power to put them to sleep. The first one was Samson, and we found that Samson had a great call to change a nation, a call to go and to bring deliverance, freedom, salvation, to represent the living God, and to open up the nation to bring freedom from its enemies. Instead, he got sidetracked with sexual sin. He got sidetracked with Delilah, and the result, the Bible says, he fell asleep in her knees. And while he was asleep, he was unaware of the danger he was in. He lost the anointing on his life, the strength of God on his life. He lost his eyesight. He lost his freedom. He lost his character and dignity, and he ended up a slave. And they took him down there into the Philistine camp, and they just mocked him and belittled him. That's the condition of many Christians. No vision, no strength and anointing, 
in bondage, being mocked and ridiculed by the enemy through people because they're not fulfilling the destiny that God called us to. So that was the first one. But here's the great news. When he repented, God heard his prayer and that mighty Holy Ghost came on him again. The most wonderful thing when we repent is God does restore us. See, the second man we looked at was Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of God. We saw him in 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 18. He'd call fire down from heaven. He'd challenge the prophets of Baal. There'd been a mighty slaughter of the prophets of Baal. The old religion of Baal was beginning to be challenged and shake. Fire of God fell out of heaven. And then Jezebel came against him and sent messengers against him. And it says he became afraid. He ran away. Fear opened his life for the suppression to come around him. He isolated, then he sat down under the tree and just wanted to die. And the Bible says he fell asleep. When you come under and yield to spiritual oppression because of fear, you go into a state of sleep. You don't really see what's going on. What it costs you to give way to fear. What it costs you to give way to sin. Neither Elijah nor Samson realized what it was costing them. But for Elijah... He lost the momentum of revival, and God had to reposition him back again and entrust revival to the next generation. Interesting, isn't it? A little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, a little bit of folding the hands to the rest, and then poverty comes. Through laziness, spiritual laziness, sleep comes, Proverbs tells us. See, so if we don't keep ourselves vibrant, alive, energized, vitally connected to God, listening to Him, responding to Him, flowing with Him, we become slumber. Can't be bothered, tired, weary. Here, the third one we looked at were the disciples. And we looked in Luke 22 and we saw the disciples and Jesus was facing one of the greatest challenges of his life. He was about to know, that he, was, he knew he was about to go to the cross. All the powers of death and hell were pushing against him. And he said to his friends, I am sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Please come and pray with me in the garden. And they came into the garden and that power and that pressure came on Jesus and he stood firmly in the place of prayer. He broke through yielding to the will of God. He brought salvation for you and for me. But the disciples fell asleep for sorrow. Under the same spiritual pressure, they yielded and fell asleep. And so we see that they were unable to be a part of what Jesus was doing because they fell asleep. Isn't that interesting? Sin, sexual sin on the case of Samson, fear on the case of Elijah, sorrows and hurts and griefs on the case of the disciples. And all of them allowed that spiritual power to shut them down and put them to sleep, where they could not be of any use, and in fact it cost them something. Fortunately, Jesus came and restored them. The mighty Holy Ghost came upon them. They woke up, and when they woke up, my, what a difference it made. Timid Fearful men became bold men. I want you to have a look with me in Galatians, which we're going to go for today. I want to look, you look at, um, we may get to three situations, at least we'll get to two. Let's have a look in Galatians chapter 2. And in Galatians chapter 2, we're going to read about some of these mighty men. Galatians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read about Peter. And Peter came back under a spiritual influence again. He didn't literally fall asleep, but he became unaware of what was happening and lost something God had given to him. So in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Now Peter had come to Antioch. And I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. 
For before certain men came from James, Galatians 2 verse 12, he would eat with the Gentiles. And when they came, he withdrew. He separated himself. He feared those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. And even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy, taken in by it, came under the influence of it. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, and then he confronts Peter. Now, what you've got to see here is that Peter was raised in the Jewish culture. In the Jewish culture, they had a paradigm and a mindset that the Jewish people were, that was it. We are the people. God has entrusted everything to us. Wisdom starts and ends with us. We're the people of God. They had a mindset, we're the people of God. And it was an exclusive mindset. It was a mindset that excluded the Gentiles. They considered the Gentiles to be unclean. So one day Peter is praying and he receives a personal revelation of the heart of God for lost people. As he's in this time of prayer, he receives a vision and he sees these unclean animals descending from heaven and he hears God speak to him saying, rise and eat. He says, no, 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 no. Three times it comes and the word says, rise and eat. He says, no, 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 no. I don't eat unclean stuff. And then the word comes to him, what God has called, un, uh, has called clean, no man should call unclean. And he realized then that God's, the vision he had received was the heart of God to reach all men, not just the Jews, but to reach all men. That God's original plan was the gospel would go every nation of the earth. That the good news of Jesus Christ would go to every person. That there would be a breakdown of the war between Jews and the Gentiles. Between men and women, the Greeks and Jews. Whatever it was, God broke the wall down with the death of Christ. And the gospel was to go to the whole world. He received it by revelation. He got a revelation. The heart of God is to go to the Gentiles. But when they invited him to come, and he got there, he made this kind of speech. Well, you know us Jews aren't supposed to eat with you Gentiles. That's not a very polite way to address people, is it? Come on, just think about it. They're, they're, Cornelius has got the whole household there waiting to hear him. Well, God appeared to us. He says, he's going to send you to us. We've been all waiting for you to come. And he says, well, you know, it's not lawful for us Jews to mix with you Gentiles. Can you, can you see how steeped he is in a paradigm that causes him to be separate from the Gentiles and unable to connect with them. To cause him to avoid them and distance himself from them. But as he began to preach the Word of God, God just interrupted the preaching. Holy Spirit fell on them. They spoke in tongues, prophesied, magnified God. And he's, his conclusion, well, I guess they got the Holy Spirit like us. We should water baptize them. Can you see the reluctance in his mentality to shift out of a narrow worldview. It's very true in the church that there's a problem of shifting out of a narrow worldview that can encompass and love and reach people at every level of society and celebrate them as wonderful, valuable people to God. The tendency is to separate, to exclude, to keep apart. Case something bad might happen to me. But Jesus never did that. The biggest complaint his enemies had was he mixed with the sinners and the prostitutes. He mixed with everyone. He mixed with them. He was never defiled by them. He had nothing they, they, he had, they wanted. He just loved them. He was able to love the unlovely. He was able to open his heart and celebrate people. Now notice what Peter did. 
Peter was now walking with the Gentiles. He's relating with them, fellowshipping, sharing with them. And then these Jews come down from Jerusalem and they are legalists. They have no heart for the the Gentiles. They're just legalists and everyone must keep the laws. You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, this, can't do that, can't do that, dress like this, go here, do this, do that. They had a whole list of laws and they came with all of that legalism. And when they came with that legalism, look at this, is Peter the Apostle. And it says, he withdrew and separated himself. He was afraid of them. Why was he afraid of them? Because he was still so steeped in that old paradigm. And when they came, he was torn apart between what God had revealed to him and the old culture, the old behaviors, the old ways. And when they came, he was caught and he became afraid and he became fearful of them. And guess what he did? He came under spiritual pressure. And instead of holding true to revelation, he began to yield to the pressure to please the people that come. And how did he do it? He began to withdraw from the Gentiles he'd been fellowshipping with. When this controlling spirit comes, what it does is it causes people to fragment and separate. It causes us to become caught up in what's right and wrong and judgmental and accusing and divisive. That's what that spirit does. He came under its influence. Even Barnabas came under its influence. And in the end, there's this whole turmoil going on. And the one thing that broke it was when an apostolic voice rose up and said, Stop! That's wrong. And he was confronted. That's Peter, confronted before everyone. Why? Because the spiritual influence was about to create division and separation, and he couldn't even see it. He was asleep to what was going on. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had continued in that course of action and had separated from the Gentiles, what would have happened is legalism would have come around the Gentiles. They would have had to submit to the law, the Old Testament laws. Instead of the liberty that Christ had brought them into, they'd have come under religious legalism. They'd come under the shadow of something God was trying to remove to bring people into freedom. That's what a spiritual influence can do to people. It can cause you to separate from people God wants you to connect to can cause you to divide from people you should be loving and united with. Where God has brought people together in the spirit, that spirit pressure when it comes, cause you to be unaware and you start to separate and divide. You haven't got a clue why you're dividing. But when you sense division taking place, when you sense that separating taking place, and you know there's no real reason for it, there's some spiritual influence at work. You just can't see it. God causes us to walk in that unity. And so Paul confronted him to stop that spiritual influence working through his fear to divide the church. Notice this. It was a spiritual influence, but it found root in a man's fear. Fear is a gateway for control in our lives. What you fear, you will surrender to, and it will control you and steal the liberty that God had. So, he changed. It doesn't say it here, but he must have repented. He must have come to the acknowledgement of the truth, repented, and that whole thing broke when he repented. Why don't you have a look at what happened in the Galatian church, though? Read in chapter 3 and verse 1. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, Paul is writing to the Galatians church. The whole book is a book of Paul, an apostle, not a man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God our Father, to the churches in Galatia. So he's writing not just to one church, he's writing to a whole lot of churches, and guess what had happened? They had become shut down in the Spirit. You know, the New Testament church 
was birthed in the Spirit. It was birthed with the move of God. It was birthed with the Holy Ghost moving. And now he's writing to these Galatians churches which once were birthed in the Spirit. Now something's happened to them. Guess what he says to them? Lovely apostolic writing. It's not at all pastoral, you notice. Oh, there, there, let us come alongside you and comfort you with all your hurts. He didn't say that. He said, you foolish Galatians. Means having lacking understanding, being ignorant of what's going on, or virtually spiritually asleep. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Why is he saying to wake up? He said, something has bewitched you. That word bewitched means to cast a spell over, to bring sorcery over, to bring a spiritual influence over. He says, something has come over you and brought a spiritual influence over you. What did it do to the church and what was it? Let me tell you what it was. Because he's asked this question straight away. He says this. He said, tell me now. He said, tell me now. How did you get saved? Did you get saved by trying hard to be a good person? Did you get saved by working hard to keep this rule? Don't do that. Do this. Is that how you got saved? Is that how you get to heaven? Clearly not. It's by the hearing of faith. You heard the Word of God. You believed. And because of your faith in Christ and resting solely on the work of Jesus, you became acceptable to God and entitled to the blessings of heaven. Is that not true? I know lots of Christians, they start off that way. But pretty soon, it's all about a struggle to be good enough for God. That's foolish. That's moved away from the gospel. Have you moved away from the gospel? That you're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ? Then he placed the second question, verse 5. He said, now, he said, how does he work miracles and how does he minister the Spirit among you? By working hard, doing the works of the law? In other words, how do miracles happen? Is it because you really work hard at it? Is it because you try, you do this, you don't do that, you keep this law, don't keep that law? Is it that way? He said, no way. He's just by the hearing of faith. So he said, you foolish Galatians, something got over you. There's a spiritual atmosphere got over you. What got over you? Legalism. Performing. Trying to work hard to get God's pleasure in your life. Trying to work hard. Do it right. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's a whole thing about performance. Religion worldwide is about doing something to please God and get right with Him. Christianity, Jesus did the work. The Father was pleased. We trust in what He did, and we're free to enjoy the benefits, relationship, and to walk by faith, motivated by love for God. Totally different. How easy it is to move from that position to now, if I don't do this, I do this, I do that. It becomes all of these things I have to do. And if you do them, you feel proud. If you don't do them, you're condemned. And so when that spirit is operating, liberty, freedom, joy, love, vitality goes out. What comes in is heaviness and oppression and mental thoughts. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I need to try harder. I'll never make it. That is a demonic accusation. There is no condemnation to those. Notice this. Romans 8.1, who are in Christ and who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. What does that mean? You set your mind towards the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You set your mind there. Your thoughts are set there. But you see, legalism, you get your thoughts on your behaviors rather than on the promises, rather than on the blessings, rather than what God has promised to give us. 
And so he said, something came in in Galatians 5.1. Galatians, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. Liberty, unrestrained freedom. When you get used to living like a slave, hard to know what that freedom is like. You've got to learn to express it. Freedom to laugh. Freedom to love. Freedom to enjoy life. Freedom from condemnation. Freedom from the guilt of the past. Freedom from demonic powers. Freedom to be myself. Freedom to walk with God. Freedom to you follow the calling of God in my life. Freedom to explore what God has called me to do. Free. But notice what he says. Stand fast in that freedom. In other words, there is a spiritual contention to remain in a place of freedom that God has given you and not get wrapped up and tangled in, he says, the yoke of bondage that rule-keeping gives. It's an issue everywhere. I go to churches all over the place, and I see in so many places, particularly in New Zealand, heaviness settles over people, and it's, you know, underneath, it's a rejection route. I'm not good enough. If I'm just do enough things, I'll be good enough. But that's not righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. I can come boldly to the throne of God. So I watch how people come. I watched a group of men, you know, two or three hundred men come to get the Holy Ghost. And this is what they did. Well, I don't know where they got that from. Because they didn't get that from the Bible. The Bible says, come into His presence with thanksgiving, uh, into His gates with praise. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. That's biblical protocol. So where did you get this other stuff? Where did that come from? It didn't come from the Bible, but it looks good. It looks kind of... I'm not saying there's any reason we shouldn't put our head down or bow. The Bible says, after we've entered His gates, after we've praised Him, then we bow and worship. Not some kind of being condemned, not good enough, unworthy kind of deal. God has made us worthy. You need to stand on what the Word of God says. I am made righteous. That means I am right with God. I can walk into His presence. The only thing keep you out if you've got sin. Well, quickly repent of it. Stand again in righteousness of Christ. Rise into that liberty. Then that liberty needs to be expressed. Liberty. Liberty to dance. Liberty to be yourself. Liberty. Break out. You see, what happens is we accept bondage as though it's normal when it isn't. So people go to the pub and drink so they can get free. It's true. They take drugs so they can feel better. They do all kinds of things to feel better. It's all about feeling better. When God says, I put something in you that will make you buzz. But you have to believe and express that life. See? Stand fast on the liberty. So, what came over you that took your freedom? Well, whatever you let, take it. That's the issue. Everyone's responsible for our freedom and holding our freedom individually, corporately. We have to maintain our freedom. Freedom to express. Freedom to be alive. Freedom, freedom, freedom to express. Okay? Instead of being passive, shut down. You know, there's nothing in heaven responds to passivity. Passivity is of the devil. Passivity means there's a heavy thing has come over you, and now instead of taking ownership, responsibility, and persevering and pushing to get what God has said is yours, you just shut down, and you become passive, and actually get soulish and melancholic, and you're not in the spirit. And people get so used to living that way, they think it's normal, think it's just good Christian. But it isn't. It isn't. When David got the ark of God, he danced and rejoiced before the Lord. 
There was great joy in the city in the presence of God. The Bible says, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Well, that's liberty. You have to be free to do that. So what did you let take your freedom? That's a spiritual power that got a hold of your life. Let's just finish with these verses in Mark 13. Mark chapter 13. You know, people go into a spiritual slumber, they don't even know. I was down in a group of men down in, uh, down in I won't tell the city, but it was a while ago. And with this group of men, and, and we got there, it was the first night of a men's conference, and we got in there, and they did their singing, and, uh, and the guys got up and did their stuff. And I said to the, 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 the man who was helping me organize it all, I said, I don't know what's the saddest thing. I don't know whether the saddest thing is that they haven't got any freedom, or whether the saddest thing perhaps is they actually don't know it, and they think this is really good. And they were shut down as you could, I've never seen a group of men so shut down. They said, that's a spirit power. If we, don't, if we don't address that and get these men free so they stand up and be what they're called to be, this thing's going to be just a fizzer all weekend. So we revved it up and had a great deliverance session, got the demons out of them, settled people free, and away they went. It was much happier after that. <laughs> anyway, let's quickly look at this. I want to share with you just these verses here in Mark chapter 13. And Jesus is talking. He's talking to his disciples. And he's talking about the end time, the time of his coming. And he says, now, take heed, verse 33. Watch, pray, watch, keep awake, keep awake. Don't fall asleep. Watch, 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 watch. Keep alive, keep alert. What are the spiritual influences around your life? Watch and pray. You don't know when the time is for the man. It's like a man going to a far country. That's Jesus. He left his house. The church gave authority to his servants. That's us. Every believer his work and commanded the doorkeeper. You and I are doorkeepers of our life and doorkeepers of the spiritual atmosphere we're in. Watch. Watch. Verse 36. Less coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And then he says, what I say to you disciples, I'm telling everyone who's a follower of me, watch, watch, don't fall asleep spiritually. So, watching is always connected with being alive and aware of what spiritual and relational influences are operating. Watching is always connected to being sober. What? Be sober. Don't let some kind of addictive things get around your life or you become unaware how bondage you got, how much bondage you have. It says to be sober. One Thessalonians, be sober. Watch. So, what relationships are confusing me? What uh, compromise is confusing me? What kind of fears am I yielding to that's causing me to come under bondage? What kind of things are coming around that are shutting me down from being what I could be? Or if I put it to you another way, you could do whatever you wanted to do, you could break free. Fulfill a dream of your heart. What would the dream be? Now, what is it stopping that? Ah, that's what's got you asleep. That's the thing you'll have to face. Okay? Stand fast in the liberty. Liberty doesn't mean you do anything. Liberty, the Bible says, said, by love, serve one another. So we get liberty so we can serve the Lord, love people, fulfill our destiny. He says, you've got to watch, you've got to pray, you've got to keep alive. Got to keep alive, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. In, uh, in Matthew 25, it says, you know, the thief comes, he takes everything out of the man's house because the man didn't watch. You see, the devil can come and steal what God has entrusted and given to you if you don't watch. Peter had a revelation from God. He nearly lost it because he didn't watch what was happening. 
You can go to a seminar and learn how to flow in the Holy Spirit and two months later have lost it. It was stolen from you because you came under a spiritual influence. They're very real. That's why the Bible says, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up the mighty man. How do you wake up? You have to recognize I've been asleep. Need to come out of that sleep. Begin to pray fast. Begin to push into God. Begin to, begin to express hunger and passion towards God. Begin to let the Word of God come out of your mouth. Begin to start to let the dreams come alive in your heart again. Begin to stir yourself so you're energized. Don't measure yourself by the person next to you. Measure yourself by the Word of God. Are you in a place of fervent, passionate prayer? Or has your life shut down? There's a few questions you could ask. Just ask these questions. Do I have a strong and a passionate prayer life? Am I in compromise with some issue in my life? Am I hearing God speak clearly? When did you last hear Him? What did He say? Did you do it? Think about that. Because heaven goes silent when you don't do what God says. You go into a slumber. Is there any influence that's negative around my life? Is it some fear, some pressure, some relationship, some compromise, some ungodly salter? Is there something pushing me? That if I stopped and listened to God, I'd become aware, actually, I don't feel too comfortable about what's happening there. See, think about that. Is there something I'm avoiding? Inevitably, there's a fear, and that's bringing control over your life. Is there some person I'm avoiding, some situation I don't want to face? Oh, then there's a spiritual atmosphere come around you, and you're yielding to the fear. Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. It shut down your gift when you yielded to it. Fear allows control, shuts your giftings down. You have to war against those things. You have to break out. That's why God says, awake, awake, shake yourself, rise up out of the dust and begin to put on the beautiful garments, praise, worship, and the authority Christ has given us. What a fantastic thing. Are you passionately doing what God told you? Or is it a long time since God spoke? Have a think about that. And then ask yourself, I wonder what spirit has pushed against me and I've allowed it to do so. And like Samson, it's taken my vision and my destiny and I need to repent. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are challenging us to become spirit people, aware of the spiritual atmosphere around us, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and strongly rising up to take dominion. Let's keep our eyes closed and our head bowed. I was just reading an email from Andy Mace this week and he was talking to me about people we sent out. He said, you know, when you look, there's been people gone out to nations from this house. He's gone over there to Bethel and within a year and a half, he's risen up and he's now having influence at the top leadership level in Bethel. We sent someone else and they went into IHOP and they rose up and became now the top influence in, 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 in IHOP and in, in, in the National House of Prayer. We sent people, they went over to Australia, right up there in Hillsong, right up at the top. We sent people into other places. They rise right up to the top. And I got one of them back. I said, why is it you rose to the top? What was different about you that caused you to be chosen out from everyone else? And I said, I got some grunt. I got some horsepower in me. I got some life inside me. 
I said, exactly, how did you get it? He said, well, I got it here. I said, well, how did you get it? Well, we had to learn how to stand up and push against heavy atmospheres. We had to learn how to stand up and push back what comes around us to depress, defeat, make us negative. We had to learn to stand up in the spirit and stay awake. I said, exactly. And that was the training ground God used to launch you to now where you have great influence. Always appreciate where God brought you from. Always appreciate how God got you there. And then teach others to do the same. But we're here now. And you and I need to rise and stand up. So I wonder if there's any people here today. And you're living under heaviness. Living under oppression. Living under fear. Living under compromise. Like Samson. There's something gone on in your life. And, and it's blinded your eyes. We need to quickly come up and say, God, forgive me. I want out. I want to get back into my place of strength again. Perhaps you're here. And, and uh, like Elijah, fear got around your life. Like Peter, fear got around your life. And, and you've yielded to things. And you've let go. And you say, God, I want to get back into that place of freedom again. You come running to the front. Maybe like the disciples, you're full of sorrow. and You just fall asleep. Your prayer life stopped. You're not even aware that you've entered into that pressure. And you've surrendered to it. Why don't you come to the front and say, God, I want out. I want to get up out of this thing. I want to rise up, become a man of prayer, woman of prayer. Maybe there's others and for different reasons there's oppression, heaviness come around you. Why don't you make your way to the front? Just come right now. Just stand up, make your way down the front. We can pray with you and help you and stand with you and you'll get a, a momentary and a brief release but you must decide to fight. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent those who are assertive, those who know what God's word says and will hold on to heaven until it comes about. There was a woman did that. Jesus ignored her, but she held on and a miracle came. And Jesus said, that's what faith looks like. There was a blind man. He shouted out and they tried to stop him. And he said, no way, I'm not stopping. He shouted louder. He got a miracle. He knew what it was to press into the things of God. There's a woman who had a flow of blood. Well, everyone would have held her back and rejected her. And she said, I know what I want. Pressed in and got a miracle. Are there any others today? But the heaviness sits over you. Have the feeling the isolation come around your life. Perhaps you're shutting down and gone down into a, into a hole like Elijah did or into a place of weakness like Samson did or into a place of sleepiness like the disciples did or into a place of confusion like Peter did or perhaps you're just flat as a pancake. Well, listen, you don't have to tolerate that, but you do have to decide to be different. Today's choice will make tomorrow different. Yesterday's choice brought you where you are. Make a choice today. Make a decision today. I will stand. I will not sleep. I will get into God. I will break out of what's around my life. If that's you, please make your way to the front right now.